I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. You're listening to It Just Got Real. So Han, we're back in Los Estados Unidos again, living our <laughs> best, are we quarantining again soon lives. Oh, girl, we've been quarantining here in L.A. like forever. Like we never got out of stage one. Shame. Shame. It's just so exhausting. It's literally been like this since April. There was no like little summer reprieve that you had in New York. In New York. We did have a summer reprieve in New York and I was here for it. So how has your week been? What got real? So I was talking with a friend and he asks me, what type of work have you been doing recently? And I was like, well, I've been doing a lot of like operations recently. So sort of the back end of business stuff. Operations can include things like taxes or HR or finance, like just sort of people ops, all that stuff that's not really like glamorous. It's a lot of like dotting I's and crossing T's and shoveling paper. But it's also super important for running a business and absolutely critical that you get this shit straight because if you don't, it can have really bad repercussions. Like forget to file one piece of paper for Delaware and they will be all over you, for instance. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's just one example. Been there, have the fine. (laughs) Yeah, and I think like a lot of creative people that are excited to start companies and make things usually like operations is not their strong suit. It's rare that I've seen operations and like amazing creative power go hand in hand. Those two things like that doesn't normally jive. And as I listened to myself telling him this answer and explaining why I'd been feeling so drained and just like exhausted and why this week's, these past few weeks had been so hard, I sort of just came to this moment where I realized that it's okay to like some types of work and not like other types of work. Mm. And I don't know that as a founder, I had ever really admitted that to myself before because it really feels like you always have to be so rosy and excited about everything that you're doing at your company. And like, it's great. And like, we're, you know, doing it. And Also, like I did this to myself, so I really can't complain about it either. This was my choice and it was a privilege to have this choice. So like no complaining is happening, but I kind of just push myself through things a lot and I hold myself to a very high bar for everything that I do. And so while my zone, like my comfort zone is in product and design and the more creative work around the company, doing operations is like, way outside of my comfort zone. I don't like it. I find it both simultaneously extremely boring and extremely terrifying. It's like it's like anxiety inducing because if you get something wrong like on your taxes or something, like that's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> but also it's like super boring. Like it's so hard for me to keep my attention and like not fall asleep doing this kind of stuff. And so it just takes like this extra amount of energy that I just have to like really sort of like crank up and like blast through it. And I find it really hard. Yeah. And for an early stage startup founder, like you're going to have to do some of this stuff. Like it is what it is. Like 
being able to hire someone to do all of it for you is great when you can get there. But even if you can hire someone to help you do it, there's a really good chance that as a founder and as probably the president of your company, the person that needs to like do the main stuff, that you're still going to be involved to some degree. Yeah, I guess just like realizing that it's okay maybe to like not like it and not have to hold myself to such a high standard with these things and like grind through it and expect the same types of results from myself with that Mm. type of work with the types of results that I expect from myself with my creative work. Yeah. So a couple of things that I've got questions about. One, You've got questions. I do, I do. <laughs> You're like, I don't admit and I keep it rosy. And I'm like, well, maybe I'm just like flagrantly transparent with my folks. Cause I'm like, y'all know I don't like to do this. Like I'm very like, <laughs> I hate this shit. Cause you do this, you like, everybody runs into this. So this is like not an, un- this Mm-mm. is not a unique problem. Everyone's got this. But where did you get the idea? I'm curious about a couple things. One is like, who is the audience that you feel like you have to be rosy about these things with? Is it investors? Is it the team? Is it like, who are the, I'm curious about who that audience is. I feel like it's most everyone really, because, well, one of my old bosses long ago told me, taught me about the power of confidence and positivity and how these two things are just so critical for an executive. Like this is when I was working at MTV. It was Shannon Connolly and she was like, confidence and positivity, you need to walk into every meeting with those things, even if this is the worst meeting of your life, even if you know you're gonna get absolutely murdered in it, even if you hate the project or you like really dislike the person that you're dealing with, everything is great. And I'm really confident that we're going to get this done. And she would do this over and over and over again. And like, she's a total badass, by the way, like super seasoned executive, has crazy amounts of experience. I saw her just like wrap boardrooms around her little finger by deploying this technique. And I was like, she's right. There's something to this. Like, Hmm. and I think that really like that got so drilled into me there because that's also what she expected of me as well when Mm. I was in meetings and representing like what our team was working on, she really expected me to also have that veneer. I think I never really like, that's something, you know, it's hard to learn once and then you like don't shake it off easily that like, I'm the most transparent with my team. I mean, they know that I don't like doing that stuff. Right, right, right. (laughs) And also like, I think they also know that I, that when I do have to do it, I find it so draining that it's actually really hard to like switch contacts back to design and like squeeze out any good creative work after you've been like looking at spreadsheets all day long. Like that's not, it's not a good headspace to come yeah. out of and be like, let's just do some design now. Like <laughs> after like, this Google sheet. Yeah. I mean, I was doing that this week. Like I was like in this Google, like this insane, like super complicated, like Excel document, you know, where like everything's like linked and there's all the, it's just like a a whole thing. And then like coming out of that and being like reviewing like five different rough cuts of a video and like playing them down and like giving our video editors some feedback and like quickly drawing a storyboard and then like going back (laughs) into this sheet. And I just felt like whiplash. Like I was like, this is, these two things don't go together. This is not working. This is like really bad. It's like, I don't know. It barely computes. I was like, my brain is like barely able to process these two things at the same time right now. But there's days like that. That's going to happen as a founder. 
I think it's interesting. I feel like I never felt pressure from other people to put on the veneer, but I always did it. I mean, I guess to some degree I got good results from it. Like here we are. But I also think that I didn't feel like I learned as much with the veneer. Mm. And I mean, I think there's a balance between like projecting confidence, but also exposing your vulnerabilities so that you can get the support you need. Because if you're like, everything's great all the time and I love everything, then like you don't really create a space for that help to come maybe sooner than if you like, like that help could come in a different form if you allow people to know that like, this isn't a thing, your thing, whatever. But I also get the reverse where I think you can kind of complain about something that is frustrating you or that you're not super good at as a founder, like a couple times. But I know in my experience, like I think about some of the conversations I'm having right now. And I definitely see that you have to find this like really interesting line where you're like, all right, I'm going to express that like XYZ thing is hard for me. But if you do that too often, folks will lose confidence in you. And it'll be Mm -hmm. like not interesting. And you could very well be like working through a thing completely transparently. But like if you don't snap back, and this is like where I agree with this advice, if you don't snap back into a place where you're confident, it will be really hard to get anybody to follow you. Absolutely. That makes sense. I mean, it's also boring to complain. I don't like people talking about their jobs being boring. Like, nobody likes to listen to that. It's not interesting. Yeah. But the truth of it is, is that there's plenty of work that we have to do that is, like, really hard and super uncomfortable and outside of our comfort zone. And it can actually be both, like, boring and difficult. I don't know, like, hiring. Like, that's a necessary thing. And, like, while I love, like, onboarding people and, like, bringing a great person into the team, like... Personally, I'm not a massive fan of, like, looking through, like, a stack of, like, 200 CVs. Like, I could, <laughs> I could pass that Not on. do that. <laughs> could not do that. No. And I think it's just, like, understanding your strengths and weaknesses is, of course, very important. But I'd never connected the dots that it was also okay for me to have likes and dislikes and not expect the same level of performance from myself with the things that I don't like. I think the performance part is really important for people to get because you hear the part where it's like, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything, but you don't hear the acceptance of like, those things you don't like, you don't have to become like super good at. You just can be good enough to get it done okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And like- (laughs) That's all you right. got to get it done without without mistakes. And that's basic, or that's with like, a minimum of mistakes. That is it. the bar. Like, the bar is not, I if I'm a kick-ass designer, I too have to be, like, a kick-ass fucking accountant for my startup when I need that. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to, you don't have to perform in that way, but you do have to get it done. And you can't sort of sweep it under the rug because it's not the things you, like, you got to kind of, like, find the minimum viable doneness on like these things. You know, I'm team hire the people to do the parts you don't like, but as a founder, you can't really do that until you know it, like through your own tangible experience. I think that's the other part of doing these things. That's like a good muscle. 
Yeah. And we've talked about that before on the pod, how it's super important to do the things that you don't know how to do or hire someone and have them walk you through it and explain it. Because you need to like understand that part of your business, even if you're not going to be doing it day to day. It's super important that you understand like how it works. Yeah. I mean, I also just think the whole situation where it's like your friend asking you this question, I'm sure like an answer could have been like a bunch of shit I don't really want to do. Like that probably also could have been (laughs) the answer. Yeah. It was that type of question though, that gave me pause to be like, oh yeah, actually I'm not I'm kind of like doing like a bunch of this stuff that's outside of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. right now. And I like that way of thinking about it. I think that also helps like frame it because Mm -hmm. that's how you kind of get that positive and confident energy around it is by being like, yeah, I'm doing some stuff that I'm not the best at, but I'm like getting it done. Mm -hmm. It's out of my comfort zone, but like it's going, you know, and I think there's, there's something to that. I had a conversation with my little sister And she was talking about her part-time job. And I was wondering, like, love her, but, like, what planet are you on? She was like, yeah, they know sometimes, like, I'm not going to do this on the weekends. And this is not really my bag. And I was just thinking, why do people think, like, every part of their job is supposed to be the parts they like? Why is that even a thing? Like, yeah, it's a job. Yeah, it's a job. Whether it's your job at your own company or not, like. There's going to be parts that you don't like for sure. It's great if you can enjoy the majority of it, but there's going to be parts that just like anything that gives us joy also comes with a degree of like annoying things or Mm. things that we like less or stressful aspects. Like I love my dog. He's super cute and cuddly. But I certainly was not happy with him last night when he peed on my gold shoes. I mean, what's that all about? Dilla's passive aggressiveness. That's what it's about. <laughs> this isn't the first time, y'all. Like, Dilla... Yeah, you should tell them. Dilla, when Dilla feels away, the level of disrespect that this dog... Like, he peed in Hannah's bed. Like, when we went away. <laughs> like, got into her spot. Like, the specificity in Dilla's Like, not on the bed. Pee. Like, under the covers. Specifically to the side that I sleep in by my pillow and peed because he was mad that we went out too long and left him there. Yeah, he was mad last night, like, that we went out to go get a a bottle of wine and I left and left him at home, put him, and uh, he was like, he was not having it. And so when I got back, Not only did he pee on my shoes, he peed on the specific shoes that I had worn that evening. Dilla. These, like, gold pumas. Dilla. Went right after them. Dilla, Dilla, Dilla. So soft and cuddly, and yet... But then such a cold heart. The vengeance. (laughs) It's the vengeance. He was was just mad that I left him out. He wanted attention. And he had to let you know. Mm, He sure did. He said, you're going to learn today. Walk in these shoes now. Where are you walking to? Where are you walking to? In the shoes with my pee in But them. Anything, like, <laughs> <laughs> anything like that. It's all a job. A job has stuff that's beautiful and a job has stuff that's not going to be fun. Chest like a puppy. That's one of my record scratch moments. Like, really? Like, really, you did that? I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, you're out here trying to buy him luxurious winter wear. Can we talk about that? Oh, girl, why is it so hard to buy 
dog boots. So like I called my sister this weekend in like a low key, like meltdown, not meltdown, but I was just like, I need to get this off my to-do list. I have too much shit going on right now. I can't handle this. I like tried to buy these dog boots. I like couldn't get them on his feet. I was like, is it me? Is it the boots? Is it the dog? I'm like, what's not working here? I have to take him to Canada in December. And like, he definitely needs some snow boots because he's a chihuahua. And right now he like does this whole shivering like dance routine when it's like, you know, 50 degrees, like it's going to be pretty interesting to see what happens when it's like zero degrees. So he's like, (laughs) he's like doing this whole thing. I tried to buy them online and then I couldn't figure out how to get them on his feet. And then like, I was, you know, going back to like re-measure his feet. Has anyone ever tried to measure a dog's paws before? Where is the foot? Where where does the foot end and begin? Like, is it just exactly the paws? exactly is it up and to the back? I'm like googling like what parts is the dog exactly because they're like articulated and weird. So like, do you measure from the pad to the nails? Do you exclude the nails? Do you include them? Do you measure from the nails all the way back to the part where it, like you know goes up a little bit and. Anyway, and also, like, even just trying to, like, grab hold of your dog's foot and, like, measure it is not the easiest task. Because they will be stretching that foot out, and then you're wondering, like, your foot is so little, but I still can't control it. Like, what is actually What is going on? And then I'm trying to put boots on, and there's four of them, and I'm like, this is so much work. I don't understand why this is so hard. Called my sister in Canada. I'm like... Monica, help me. Like, what is going on? Like, why are dog boots so hard? And she's like, oh, yeah, they're the worst. They're the absolute worst, and dogs hate them. And they, they don't suck. like them. Tails, <laughs> I thought I was really doing something because Tails doesn't like to be out in the rain. And so I got these little galoshes, like these little wellies. And he hated them more, I bet. The level of <laughs> he will literally drag his little baby dog ankle on the floor until he gets this little yellow rain boot off. <laughs> like why are dog boots <laughs> hard to buy because dogs don't want to wear boots and they don't want to wear boots they really don't and they have no feedback <laughs> who who are they studying like are they taking dogs to make ergonomic like who there's no arch built into the they're one size it's not all. working and my sister gave me the whole rundown she was like okay good at least you bought the ones with the velcro straps not the ones that go on like a condom that's like a good start she was mm-hmm. like but that's the, the other thing ones the condom <laughs> ones oh my god a friend of mine made this reference to those little hats as condom hats <laughs> You know the condom hats? So that just made me think of the condom hats. Sorry, it's winter. In Canada, we call those toques, I believe. Those little condom hats? Like the little hats with the roll-up that sit on the top of a guy's head? That's a toque. That's a cute name for it. Well, usually it has a little bit of extra space in top. Also like a condom if you're doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes there's a pom-pom. Now that part's optional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyway, these dog boots, I'm telling you. So I had to like then return them and buy some new ones. And I'm just like, the amount of time that I've spent trying to solve this dog boot problem now, and I still haven't been able to cross it off my personal to-do list. I'm like, how did that just eat into and my it's weekend also, so much? Now you're doing like operations for the dog. I mean, like. I'm doing dog operations. And meanwhile, you're peeing on my pumas. Like what is going on? Anyway, dog boots. No just, reward. Don't live in a place where you need them, maybe. That's a great observation. Don't live in a place where you have to buy dog boots because save yourself the stress. Save yourself the stress. I have a funny record scratch. 
So for those that don't know, I just moved back to New York City, Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy in particular. Hopefully when COVID is not a thing, people can come to my backyard because it's glorious and it has a fire pit and really cool teak Mm. benches and all the things. And I love it. But obviously I'm still running this business. I'm doing the pod with hand. I am trying to figure out kid virtual next school, what's going on. And so like, it's really hard to get shit done, like manage the bed delivery and put the things together. And at the same time, you kind of need the space to be as comfy as possible, as quick as possible. So you can like be in the headspace to do all your work. Enter TaskRabbit, me every day trying to figure out who's going to come do all these things I need to get done so I can like be sitting here working. Anywho, I had this tasker come. She helped me do a task and she wrote back to me in her like nudge to get me to leave a review. She was like, hey, just want you to also know um, I'm a singer. I do nails. I also know how to break. Like she had like 12 other things that you could book her on TaskRabbit from. And she's not like the first person. Like one, she should be a writer because in her her request for review, it was like, hey, it's me. Thank you for letting me serve you with style and finesse. And I was like, is she also a freestyle rapper? Like, I don't understand. So anyway. <laughs> style and finesse. Style and finesse. Oh, She wow. hung up clothes. She hung up clothes, apparently with style and finesse, based on her message. But then even the guy that, like, put the bed together for me was like, yeah, I also do house calls for singing. And I'm like, is house calls for singing a thing? And why are so many taskers on TaskRabbit doing this? Like, I just had a lot of questions about when did TaskRabbit become a talent agency? Like, that's literally what I wanted to understand. I think it's always kind of been like that. Or really? like, I've Well, I've always had, like, really interesting, like, pretty in-depth conversations with taskers, especially in, like, major cities. This is interesting. I did not know it was... Task rabbits got talent. Like I didn't like this one time I had this guy come help me with my kitchen in New York because I was like moving out and it was it was just like a whole thing. And we ended up having this conversation about this juice bar that he wants to start. And then he was like, Oh, I also do like video stuff. And like before you know it, I was like giving him like my card and I'm like, here, try this app I'm working on. Like, let me know if you want to. It's all networking. Something. It was just like a lot of these people are artists that are like they've got another a creative thing on the the they are trying to do their main, make their main gig. And they're like gigging on the side to make their main gig work. And so they're like always ready to promote their main thing, especially if they notice that you're also a business person, you probably understand that vibe. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That happened also with my optimum cable guy. He had, but he got, he started getting a little too hotep. So I had to politely be like, thanks, got a meeting. But he was telling me his whole life and showing me documents on his phone. And I really just wanted my internet on, but I also appreciated mm. like the conversation. So it's a balance. It's a balance. Speaking of balance, last record scratch of the day. So my governor, Andrew, I'm a single man Cuomo, made an announcement today about a lawsuit he's filing against Donald Trump and the presidency around their decision to allow the COVID vaccine to be delivered through drugstores and the private sector. And basically he was saying that urban neighborhoods, particularly those filled in black and brown people, are not only food deserts, but they're like prescription medicine deserts. 
And so he's basically saying like, how are the people that have been most impacted by COVID, how are they going to get access to this vaccine that they'll need more than anybody else? And -hmm. it was interesting because on the one hand, it was good that Governor Cuomo was like, oh, Black people need the COVID vaccine first. And he's not wrong about the food desert situation. And also, apparently, the vaccine that they currently have, it has to be kept in, like, minus 17 degrees or something. So, like, they have no idea how they're going to roll it out because of this whole, like, deep freeze situation, right? Well, it's, it's interesting because our community has such a terrible relationship with the medical world. Mm-hmm. And so I understand Cuomo's logic, but hearing him say on national television, like black and brown people have to get the vaccine first is just also triggering because it's like, mm. this was the excuse for like all the experimentation mm-hmm. on black people since forever. And yeah, so that line does not sound cool. It's rough. But anyway, it was cool to know that there's a vaccine in the pipeline, but what was not cool is like being reminded of this country's sort of connection to like Black people, medicine, value of life. I was happy to see Cuomo like getting ahead of it and like going toe to toe about like, how is this thing going to be managed and distributed? But Mm -hmm. it just was kind of weird to hear him say like, we need to make sure black and brown people have this vaccine first, because in my mind, I'm like, you mean this experimental, barely tested, now let's put it in you. We barely know what's going to happen on the other side drug. Yeah, of course, black people should get it first. So I don't know. It was one of those weird. Yeah. Like I felt, I felt pulled and like, I was of two minds about it. Yeah. That's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody needs that. They Hmm. don't. But what we do need is new music. ATM, ATM. So, what you got for us? <laughs> what we do need is new music. I'm just saying. Well, I've got, I've got two tracks for you. So, one is this new ATM track that Missy Elliott is featured on, which is just, you just got to go listen. And the other one is Rico Nasty came out with a new track this week, which I'm always here for new Rico Nasty, because Rico's just Rico like, Nasty. I can't get enough of that stuff. You can't. This is totally your jams. Like, you love. I'm in an interesting, like, her, sir, like, these people mode. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really heard. I like that, too. That's, like, after dark music. <laughs> I've, been in, I've been in an after dark moment, but that's for, it got real after dark. That's what it's for. It's not I for like today. that, too. I mean, I listened to a lot of D'Angelo this weekend, but there's daytime oh. music, too. <laughs> D'Angelo. I heard he's, like, about to make some new music. Really? Yeah, I can't remember where I heard it, but it wasn't too long ago. He was having, like, a come to Jesus and, and maybe healing in a way where he could do some new music. I don't know. I don't. You might have to fact check me on that, but that's what they say, which would be hmm. exciting. That would be exciting. I think. Should we wrap this up? Yeah, I was going to say, I want to listen to this music. I got I got some, some time left before bedtime, so I might get lit to these tracks before I wind down Sunday. 
But I do want to talk a little bit about your takeaways for the day, the things that our listeners can apply from your learnings in your real moment this week. Sure. I think the first one is that we all hear about strengths and weaknesses and how important it is to know what your strengths and weaknesses are. But mm-hmm. the like going beyond that, what I really learned this week is that it's also okay to have likes and dislikes and be able to talk about those freely. Mm-hmm. I love the, the differentiation there too. It's almost like needs and wants, how people are like, focus on your needs. But it's like, no, sometimes the need mm-hmm. is to fulfill the want. Mm-hmm. And I think this is like very similar to that. And like, it's not always about like the boiled down thing that's objectively you're good at or you're not good at. It's okay to even be all right at something you don't like. I think like the second part of this, this is sort of a two part takeaway, is that if you know what you like and what you don't like, this allows you to better prepare. So like the weeks where I have to do something that I'm dislike as a founder, like, how do I take care of myself through this? Like, how do I know that there's light at the end of the tunnel? I'm going to get to do that other thing that I really enjoy doing afterwards. This is a means to an end, or it's a necessary part of the job. Like, you know, clean and pee off the shoes versus like having a very cute dog to snuggle. Like, (laughs) everything comes, everything comes with, with pros and cons. And And just like being able to hold that all in balance and remind yourself like, okay, this thing I'm doing right now, really don't like it, not in my comfort zone, not enjoying the spreadsheet or whatever it may be. Everybody's got a different thing. Yeah. And to like not not avoid it. And you know you need to just do it, but not hold yourself to that same level of execution and performance that you normally would. And just like take care of yourself through getting it done because you're going to be able to go on to the next thing after that and work on the stuff you love again. Absolutely. I love that. I love that because you you got to get it done and it doesn't mean you're going to have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to hide and pretend like you do, but it does mean you have to get it done. I love that hand. I think it's great. And on that note, this episode is done. Come back and find us next Thursday. We will be here in all the places that you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you before season one closes out, which is going to be happening rapidly in December. Just a few weeks. We will be taking a short break and then coming back with season two, an all new version of It Just Got Real, which is going to be extremely exciting. So... Tune in next week. And as always, if you have a message for us or want to leave a comment, we're at GotRealPod on Instagram and Twitter. Bye, guys. Bye.